Good evening, Patriots. And it's the end of Thursday, July 13th in the year 2023. Man, this month is moving fast. I swear we are literally in a time warp these days. Time just keeps going faster and faster and faster. So what can I say? Oh, I love this. Someone just wrote this in chat. We are on kingdom business now, so act like it. Yep, that would be it right there. Ticket punched. You're in the army. Get ready to go. We got a lot of work to do. Hey, Patriots, before we get going tonight, one thing we want to do is talk about what's good for the medical cabinet. And that has got to be something that is natural, that we don't have to get a prescription for, that makes your body work better, that will, when you have sleep problems, helps you sleep better. 90% of the people, in fact, that take this product sleep better. When you have pain in your body after a workout, you want to have your pain go away and feel better in recovery. So that would be about 80% of the people that take this product have that benefit. And when you have anxiety or stress, you want to have that go away or reduced. 80% of the people that take this product feel better after they take this if they have anxiety or stress. And that would be CBD products. So we have this great sponsor of the show, CBD, CB Distillery, cbdistillery.com. Great product and a great series of products. You can find all sorts from relaxation, for stress relief, for recovery, for overall body health, for better sleep. And I highly recommend you check them out. It's great products. They come in various different forms. You can get them in creams, tinctures. You can get them in their chewable gummies. It's all made from 100% American-grown industrial hemp. They're highly refined and tested for the purities to make sure that everything that is in them is all 100% pure. So if you will go to cbdistillery.com, cbdistillery.com, you use your promo code BARDS, which is literally the most famous, most popular promo code on the web, you'll get 20% off and in orders over $75 get free shipping, which is completely cool. We like that. In fact, um, Saturday, we're going to have a special show. And it's going to be with Chase Terwilliger, who is from CB Distillery. And you're going to get a chance to hear about a lot of the philosophy behind CBD products, which I think is a really good thing to know. Great products, great natural products for the body, mind, and overall body health. So check it out, cbdistillery.com, promo code BARDS. I was like literally having the best evening earlier. Because I've, I've been getting ready to add a big walk-in freezer. I've got 10 steers that are coming up for butcher. And I've got another eight lambs by fall. So that's quite a bit of meat. And that's not going to fit in a normal chest freezer. So I've been shopping around and I've found a, a couple of good-sized walk-ins. One is a 10 by 10 and one is an 8 foot by 8 foot. I have to decide which one I want. I'm looking at the 10 by 10. And then up at the property, trying to decide where that would go. So finally, I found the location. And I tonight, after this has been a lot of months of kind of working through this process, studying butchery, kind of understanding the workflow. And today, it just it was just like an epiphany. And I found it laid it out exactly where what it's where it's going to go. It just it's like it was made to fit. When you finally see the problem, and I think that's a lot of it is that we we tend to look at things one way. 
And this especially happens. I used to do remodeling, did it for years. My dad was a remodeling contractor. I grew up in the business. And then I did remodeling. I also did another, I did all high-end remodeling in Portland, Oregon. And then I also did another part of my business was outdoor living structures or living spaces. So I would go into places and take a look at how things were laid out and create these outdoor patio spaces or outdoor decorative spaces for people to live and work in. And you, you had to step into another world when you do that. You had to see beyond the limitations of what the space was telling you. And this is kind of what happened tonight because I'm just one particular shot building we have. And I'm just, I've got my fitness area set up in it. And it just, as I'm working out tonight, I'm like, oh my goodness, I've missed it. And it's a, it was a perfect, when I kind of reformulated it in my mind and how, how to repurpose the building with a walk-in freezer and with a, later a walk-in cooler and kind of see the whole thing. The entire building showed itself to be exactly what we needed for a butchery, which is really cool. And it just got me thinking a lot to how we see things in this world. We tend to do this a lot in our lives. We tend to get ourselves fixated on one way of looking at a problem. And I, I will tell you this, when I, when I start looking at things, and I'm doing it right now a lot because our world is not looking right to me. There's many, many things going on, and yet they're not going on in my backyard. They're not going on much in my county. And when we start to pull these things apart, we start to realize that so much of our world is very much generated by these very narrow bandwidths and visibility optics in comparison to the whole world. So let me, let me give you some examples. One TikTok video comes out, and we all see the world a certain way. We see a violent action of two guys in hoodies attack a mailman in somebody's front yard, and that becomes that we all have to be worried about our front yard getting attacked by two black guys in a hoodie when they may not even be black guys, but we assume that they are. We see pictures of an, a section of a city burning down, and we assume that the entire city's on fire, even though that fight, that demonstration may be in a couple of blocks. And we don't appreciate the fact that most of the landowners there probably knew about it and were getting insurance claims to cover losses in their buildings. And I'm not exaggerating about any of this. I mean, this is kind of the time we're in where everybody's trying to rape and rip off the system and rip off each other because we have no moral basis or morality in this country. We see these drone videos from, from Ukraine. We see that we hear of the billions of dollars that are flowing to Ukraine. We hear of the weapon systems that are going to Ukraine, but we don't see anything of proof of it, but they tell us and we believe it. And they say, another $80 billion is going to Ukraine or whatever. And we go, oh, those dirty bastards. But we don't see the money. But we believe them when they tell us that. But we don't believe them when, we tell, when they tell us that the J6 protesters are guilty. These are odd things. And it's the way that we function as human beings. And it's something we need to start checking ourselves on because we're getting caught in these war traps. So I'm going to use that one again, and I want to repeat it again and let you think about it. The government tells us that the J6 protesters are guilty, and we say, no, they're not. The government tells us that they're sending, we'll just use a number, $20 billion in weaponry to Ukraine, and we say, those dirty bastards. We believe them. Why? 
Why do we believe one thing and why do we not believe the other? And it's coming from the same mouthpieces. The Secret Service says they can't find cocaine, any evidence of cocaine or who did it, and we say that's a complete lie. And then we hear that Biden is going to mobilize the ready reserve to go to Ukraine, and we say, that criminal dirty bastard. Why do we believe it? And why do we not believe it? Why do we not believe the Secret Service? Why do we believe the story of the cocaine at all? Why would we believe that they would talk about something like that that would disparage the president? But we do, we do these funny things. We say things like, oh, the Democrats are done with Biden. They're trying to get rid of him and set him up. Or we try to convince ourselves that the media is somehow getting a conscious and moral conscious and telling the truth. So, and how did all this start? I mean, I'm literally sitting here and I'm looking at a, a building space. It's our shop area up on the property. And as I'm looking at this, I'm saying, okay, I've, this shop has, on one wall, it's got shelving and a, a toolbox. It's more of a mechanics toolbox, big tall one with on wheels. And it's got a workbench and it's got another workbench on the front. And then it's got this sink working table in the back. It's got a roll-up door. And then it's got this additional segment, which is where they used to house a tractor in this big, tall room. And that's where I've got the workout space set up. And that's how I visualized it, and that's how I see it, and that presents a fixed truth to how it should be. But as I'm working in it and allowing my mind to relax, knowing that we need to build a butchery here, and I'm on the cusp of pulling the trigger on a freezer, a large one, thinking that it's going to go to one place, but still not comfortable in the other barn because I can't get the workflow down. Suddenly, the construction in which I've given this physical structure, the purpose intent that I had, which was kind of like, okay, we've got a clumsy, it's all clumsy the way it currently is. It's clumsy kind of wood shop sort of mechanic shop thing with a workout space on the other side, which is just kind of a fill. It's, an, it's not even efficient the way it is. And once I let go of that, I see the building completely reorganized differently and it's, it's almost like the building was intended for it. And this is an exercise I used to do when I was young, as long back as I can remember. And we would drive by buildings and I would find myself fascinated with seeing empty buildings. So let's just take, for example, one of the hardest ones to work with is what do you do with a gas station when it's empty? Because no matter what you do with a gas station, it always looks like a gas station, usually. And I would let my mind imagine what would, what could that building be? Without doing major remodel, tearing it down or so forth, what else could you repurpose the building as? But a gas station is a good example because you have a kind of a store or office area. And in the older way, you used to have a service bay next to it. And then you'd have an island with maybe two or three gas pumps, maybe four. So it's a very defined shape and purpose for how it's done. But what else could that be? What else can you turn that into without being limited by the intention of what it was originally designed to be? And when we start to think this way and force ourselves out of the constructive boxes that we're in, pretty soon we start to imagine things differently and see the world more broadly, and we start to see the plurality 
and creativity that comes out from us to see, to really start to see different purposes and functions. And that was what I really enjoyed a lot about the work I used to do in construction because you come into the backyard and people would say to me, I had a design build company. They would say, for example, we want this very nice garden to turn into a much more livable space. We need you to build the hard structures. And I'd be like, okay. So I, you know, start designing stuff and sketching it and drawing it. And pretty soon, you know, we'd come up with like some, like one I did was just a super cool trellis. that was with laminated arcs and all out of cedar. It was really cool. And right next door in the other neighbor, I did a completely different build. It was a very Victorian fence, gate, portico, all sorts of stuff there. So it's about letting our mind release from the restrictions. So let me read, and this ties right into Scripture. This actually goes to John 5, beginning at 5. So listen to this. A man was there who had been ill for 38 years. So that's his construction. That's his structure he's accepted, right? When Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you wish to get well? Now that's the question. Do you wish to get well? Now listen to the man's response. The sick man answered or answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Now let's go back to the answer, the question, do you wish to get well? And you literally want to hear Jesus say, I didn't ask you that. I asked you, do you want to get well? I mean, that's indic- that's kind of embedded in the phrase right there, right? And the dude is sitting here giving him a story. It's a story that he's written. It's a framework around why he's ill that is giving him an excuse to remain ill. That's like the butchery. I am looking at a building. I keep reworking this one space that I had over and over. I keep trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. I know it's not right. That's the other barn. I've got another building up here that we have that I've kind of hodgepodge together some stuff with. And I know it's not right, but I've accepted it because that becomes the story of function for what it is. Then suddenly tonight, as I'm working out, tired, exhausted, which is good, and that's usually a good time to think about these things because we tend to find that our minds let go of the rigid fixation of what we have. And in so doing, it just, it hit me like a lightning bolt. I was like, oh my gosh, if I take the one bay where I have the workout space and I put the walk-in freezer there, I now have my butcher area, my slaughter area right before me, which can be easily handled. I can move a tractor in to lift with a lifted carcass, or I can even use, I can build a frame and a, tr- and a rail system to hoist with a chain hoist to bring the carcass in. And I can easily move it right into the freezer. And then once it's out of the freezer, I can move it into the second, the adjacent, which is through a big wide door, through the adjacent space where it becomes the, the actual cutting room once the carcass has had time to sit in the freezer and age for 14 or 20 days. And then I can make that the cutting room. And then when I'm done, I can put some back in the freezer and whatever else I have in the cooler. All that reconstruction of a building happened when I let go of my expectations. So I go back to the old man. Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. So he gives Jesus this whole story, which is what he's answering is, 
why he's continually sick. He doesn't answer Jesus to, do you wish to get well? And Jesus' response to him is, get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. And he breaks him from the confines of his own mind and releases, in that process, releases the healing of the Holy Spirit. And immediately the man becomes well and picks up his pallet and begins to walk. So the real question in all of that is, was the man actually sick or was the man convincing himself that he was sick by the story he was telling himself over and over because he wanted pity or because he couldn't break from a story he was telling him? Now, see, our world is very much like this right now. We are caught in these strange OODA loops, unbelievable OODA loops, in fact. There is a um, video, which I know you've all seen, called Ghost in the Machine. And it's by the 4th Cywar, or PSYOP group of the military, apparently. And it's very interesting because tonight, six hours ago, actually, to be specific, six hours ago, that group, which I said is called the 4th PSYOP group, six hours ago, they dropped a new video, which I'll put up in Telegram after the show. And it's called Among the Stars. And I'm looking at these videos. I love these the two videos they've done because both of them challenge us to think outside of the normal. That's really, when you're good at information warfare and you're good at war. You're, you're really what you become is the maker of the magician's tricks is what you do. And so what you are able to do is to use your techniques to lead people along to conclusions or hopefully lead people along to a greater awakening to have them be freed from the chains that they really are. Cywar works two ways, keep people in enslavement or release people from enslavement, but either way they're going to do it by their own free will and you're going to do it by the perceptions and the things that they accept in the realities you give them. And so as a physical exercise, we tend to operate daily within the restraints of the world that is around us. We read scripture, but we don't read into scripture. We read scripture, but we don't accept that scripture can also read us. We expect scripture to be our rigid binder to this world. We put God in a box as a result. If scripture says, if one version says something, then you'll hear there's people out there that are rigid doctrinists and they say, the scripture says this, I can't do anything more. Instead of reading into the greater message of what God's trying to tell us. And this is how we arrive at peace at any cost. And this is how we arrive at Jesus as a limp-wristed transgender person in sandals. I mean, that's literally where we've, arrived at because there's no, we're not living scripture. And so we don't, there's this side of this where there's a timidness to stay. well, scripture says that that's bad, okay? And we don't want to speak up to it. We don't want to be bold with it. And we're not letting our minds function in this world to realize that we're really being inundated by something that's crazy right now. I mean, there's an acceptance going on right now in our churches that this new world that we're in, we are witnessing a transition of humanity. 
This is what we're what, what people I I'm convinced of this of how churches are arriving at these ridiculous conclusions that we are witnessing a transition of humanity. This is a new era. Whatever the cause is, whether it's cosmic, whether it's in the water, whether it's this, whether it's 5G, they don't want to know any of that. They just want to look at what they see, and they see all these people claiming to be transgender, gay, lesbian, bi, confused, whatever, and they say, oh, but we have to accept you all. So come in our church. We'll wave your flag out front. We'll make it comfortable for you. Now, I can get the piece of saying, come in. I can't get the piece of we're going to go and make you normal in our world because they've accepted the illusion. I don't know the actual numbers. You know, it's a funny thing. We talk about these freaks every day because they're very vocal and because they're having, and the reason I talk about them every day is because they're having an amazing impact on the psychology of people, on the psychological impact on people. But take take the example of Bud Light. Kevin Mulvaney, what's happened to him? He's gone. He's disappeared. One guy, think about this a minute. Now, there's a whole back end to this. Don't get me wrong. There is a marketing department, a vice president, and all of her staff. There is a, there's a board of directors. There's a CEO. There's a whole bunch of people involved in this decision process when you launch a branding campaign to the magnitude that Bud Light did. So whatever you hear, don't believe that illusion that they're telling you it was just a mistake. That was a well-planned out marketing campaign that was planned months ago because of the vetting, the filming, the preparation, and even the ad slots. This is really a big deal because when you place ads for a big corporation, you it's usually 90 to 120 days minimum in advance. You don't just get them overnight. And even though they have big ad buys, they still have to work with what's already out there. And there's only so much time in a day and only so much time. So all of that was well-planned and organized. But in the end, it's not that many people. It's probably, we'll just say for the sake of talking, 50 to 75 people that were involved in that entire decision process. And yet the single figure, Mulvaney, ends up spinning up an entire world. I don't like have anything. I don't want anything to do with Budweiser products. I, I think their beer tastes like piss, and I think the only reason people drink it is because they got propagandized with a bunch of Clydesdales and a bunch of American flags and Fourth of July fireworks and pictures of people eating roasted hot dogs. But the fact of the matter is that fifty people woke the entire world into a rage. Again, it's a very narrow optic of perception. How big is this transgender movement? And that, that's a question I can tell you everyone should be asking. What's the real numbers of it? Their numbers lie. They never will tell you the truth. Here's a real set of numbers for you. When the military first accepted that transgenders were going to be allowed in the military, which was approximately 2012, I did the real numbers. Out of a standing military of 1.4 million people, there were only 1,200 transgenders in ranks, and they changed the entire policy of the military, which means as well, to put this in the ripple effect of this, for 1,200 people, the entire supply chain logistics system had to be prepared to support 1,200 people on a global mission, even deployed downrange in hot zones, with HRT or whatever other supportive drugs they needed for hormone therapy. 1,200 people. 
What we're witnessing right now on a global level is a perception versus a reality. We are too often the man that has been ill for 38 years, and we're letting ourselves be there. And that's part of what I was looking at this tonight. I'm like, wow, that building, and here, let's go back to the origin of the property. When we found the property, we looked at the property, that was, building was referred to as a shop. And I, those words, words have the power of life and death, important here. Those words hit me and fixed an image of what that building would be. And down below, there is a, another building when we have horse stalls, and it was the horse barn, which we're redoing. Piece by, I've already put a B room in there. But my point that what used to be a tack room has become a B room, which is really a nice B room, by the way, and a honey processing room. But when we get up to this other building, I, I want to go back to this because this becomes the issue of the man who's been ill for 38 years. That building was called to be a shop. And that's what imprinted on my perception of that building. They didn't do anything with it until now we're at a point where we have to make a decision of where we're going to set this butchery on the farm. And in the process, I keep going back to one place that I see it happening and then suddenly I'm today it's like I've missed the entire opportunity. This building, if I had designed a building to be right for a butchery, it would be hard to beat what we have right here, right now, once I realized what it was. And how did that happen? I deconstructed. The, the image released myself from the bondage of this narrative of what a building shop was. And I allowed my mind to see clearly and re Re, recreate what's before me a whole new image of how to repurpose and use that building. Now think about those words a minute and think about the story of the man who is ill, John 5. It's John 5, 5 actually. John 5, 5 to John 5, 9. He's living in this narrative of ill and he's giving Jesus his story, which is an excuse I have no man to put me in the into the pool when I'm in the water in the water is stirred up but while I am coming while he's coming to the pool someone always manages to step down before him and he can't get in so he has created an entire bondage in his words to keep him enslaved to an illness which may or may not even exist but it does exist in reality in his mind and so the real issue here is when Jesus comes to him Jesus sees through it all And as Jesus sees through it all, in a simple retort to what he sees, he forces the man <laughs> to break from his story. It's the war of the narrative. It's fantastic. And instead of listening to his story and going, oh, I'm so sorry, you poor thing. I'm sorry. You know, we need to get you healed. He doesn't even do that. He just tells him, get up, pick up your palate and walk a directive to cut through the garbage, slice through the story, get right to the truth and boom, the man's freed. Now think about all the people we have out here that are locked in those sort of victim mentality mind mindsets. And there's a ton of them. A lot of what we're witnessing now, right now on the national and international level 
is that we have people that are isolated. They've been captured. They're not living in communities. They're living in isolation with digital communities, which isn't real. Many of those digital communities are built and designed specifically to reinforce their way of thinking. And even worse than that, where they are real people, they tend to congregate in vertical stovepipes of information where they get to reinforce their own misery. So they're reinforcing the story of, I can't get to the pool to heal. And in the process, they are not able to be set free. And their minds are boxed in. And they are slowly dying. I think that puts an amazing amount of new light, at least for me, when we talk about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. We tend to look at that as a hammer. We'd like to go in this and say, okay, I'm going to talk to you about Jesus. Wham. It's like, I don't want to hear about Jesus. Then you are going to hell. Wham. But what happens when we do what Jesus did? Jesus didn't come in and say, you're going to hell. Jesus just cut through the garbage and said, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. And I would, I want, you can almost feel it because you know that this is the son of God. He's got a command presence and you know that when he speaks, and, and, and again, the portrayals of Jesus are so, just, they so irritate me. They, they so irritate me because they want to come off with this like gentle, always speaking gentle. I don't get gentle here. I get directive. And I'm not saying he's yelling at him, but I guarantee you he's not messing around. He doesn't have time to waste. It's like, oh, you can almost, you can almost, because he's in the flesh. Let's keep this in mind. He's living as a human, okay? And we like to, like, okay, he's the son of God. I got it. But he's still living as a human. So that means he is going to be subject to a normal human set of emotions. If it was me in that moment, I'd be rolling my eyes going, what a pathetic, uh, okay. And then the focus is get up and walk. Raise your palate and walk. And suddenly, boom, like that, everything is over. Now, I look at our world this way. Everything we are doing, we are dealing with a minority group. They are a bunch of freaks, literally. They are mentally unstable. And with it, they're bringing over others. And we're being like the old man. We're coming after your kids. Oh, but I can't get to the water and heal. We're going to take your kids and teach them how to cut their weenies off and Teach them that it's a good idea to have their breasts removed. Oh, but I can't get ready to heal. I can't get to the water to heal. Which in the other versions of that is, oh, Jesus, please come take us back. Oh, Jesus, take me home. Oh, Jesus, when are we going to get this over with? This is pathetic. We're being the old man. 38 years old man. God's sitting, I, I can't even imagine what God's thinking in some of these times. Like, I know God's a loving God, but come on. I mean, like any other father, he's going to be sitting here going, you dumb fools, I gave you all the authority. What is your problem? So people are out here going like, Lord, fix this. I'll tell you what, and this is where we forget. I go back to Noah. Noah was told to build this ark, and so he spends 30, 40 years building this ark. And you know he's being ridiculed. People are calling him crazy. Noah just keeps going. And he's had his moments. He's not perfect. But he's diligent. He keeps going. And you know there's people out here that are 
I, I get, we don't know this story for sure, but I can guarantee you there's people out here going, Lord, fix this world. Lord, fix this world. It's so miserable. As the world descends into chaos and hell and all the other things it's doing. And so finally, Noah's the only one doing the work. And Noah's working his tail off, and everyone else is out here either whining or doing their thing. And finally, God does step in and say, okay, fine, I'm going to fix it. Eight people left. <laughs> Just thought I'd point that out. Eight people left. Why would we think God would be any different now? Why do we think that us sitting over here whining about these problems? Lord, my son, I don't know what to do. He's become a female. Did you put him in public school? Did you... What, what's going on here? And I get there's some really bad stories here, like the one we had a while back of that damn youth pastor who I swear I'm going to pray on to have him taken to the courts of heaven for giving that kid CR uh, hormone replacement therapy. I am going to do that. That's coming. I'm doing it on Friday. I think tomorrow we'll do it. So I'm just, I'm, these people need to go to the courts of heaven and be judged. But that's another story. But see, that's the point. We have, we have authority, so let's do it. And that's what struck me tonight. I felt really good because as I'm working away, I haven't, I've been dragging my feet on this butchery. And I know this sounds like an outlier thing, but it's not because I've been reworking these problems like I have done since I have been, what, three years old. And I've been fascinated with letting my mind work these problems. And it goes to even some of my Zen training, which I know people are going to be like, well, Zen, that's not real. Whatever. There's some really good exercises in Zen. And it's about letting your mind set free and break from the confines of our world. And when we go into a meditation, which we should be doing, we're listening to the voice of God. What's happening? We're letting ourselves be freed from the constraints and the chains of this world. So as I'm sitting here today and I finally, this thing snaps open and I see the whole picture, I'm like, praise Jesus. This is amazing. This is, this is a whole new space, shape, and formation of a building that looks the same on the outside but completely transforms on the inside. And so was a great lesson that I was given. And it goes to the man. He looks the same outside. He's been sick for 38 years. But what changes is on the inside. We are our greatest enemy. I said this the other night in the title of the show, Name Your Enemy, It's Us. And so much of the enemy that we're dealing with in us is that we keep creating our own problems. And we're not excluded from that just because we are walking with Christ, because we pray every day. I go back to this transgender thing. I'm talking a lot about the attack on the kids and the, the manipulation by this, these pedo elites, but they're still a minority of people. What stuns me is with this minority, why are we being bound to their rules? Why are we allowing them to dictate that we should be continually sick and sit on the side and give an excuse to why we can't be ill rather than simply picking up our pallet, getting up and walking? And that's where I'm, I've been just rolling this through my mind constantly as, I, as every day I go through enormous amounts of information and I, I span through the information and the narratives that are flowing out. And every day, I look at this and I say, something's not right. So here's, I'll give you another example. You saw these pictures of Zelensky. And 
there's these there's this one shot that they take of Zelensky that's out with NATO and he's standing on the side by himself and everybody draws the conclusion they've rejected him he's done except they didn't because the next day they signed a contract with him and shook his hand and they're going to give him more more garbage they say anyway but see one picture changes the world when uh, the way it used to work i don't even know where it is now but in photography when you are take a shot that's submitted for a Pulitzer, or it's usually a series of pictures. Pulitzers don't do one picture. They tend to do a series, like a, a long story in photojournalism. They actually send out an investigator to, to investigate the origins of the story and to talk to every person involved in the photo. And the reason they do this is they want to make sure these are legitimate photos and not staged. Because if you are in a fight, I'm thinking of a particular picture that was part of a Pulitzer packet from Iraq One by the photojournalist and combat photographer David Leeson, who at the time was folk, was shooting for Dallas Morning News. And there were, there were two kids, I think there were three kids in all, the three soldiers, and they were jumping in the air and he caught them in their skivvies jumping in, in the middle of a war zone, jumping into a pond to go swimming. And this is how strict it was. What they wanted to know is that at any time did that did David Leeson go out and influence you to go find the pond? They, what they was there was a pond just over the way that the soldiers who had been in the in the armored armored I think they'd been in a tank, and they wanted to just go get cleaned up desert and just have a moment of just being normal. And that was the whole point of the picture. Is in the craziness of war, there's a moment of normalcy where three soldiers just become people again. A really powerful photo. But they wanted to know at any time in that process, did the photographer, David Leeson, influence that picture? Did he suggest, like, hey, guys, there's a pond? The answer was no. Nowhere along the way. David just followed them, and where the picture came was just good good photojournalism. He caught a moment in time. My whole point of that is we're, we're long past that era. That era was a dead era. That's, that takes us back to 2023 or 2024. We're, we're long past that now. We're in an era where everything is manipulated and turned. And so we are finding ourselves being thrown into these back and forth of believing some things and not believing others, condemning some things but not condemning others, even though the same people are telling us these stories. So the real question is, how do we find the walk in our world where we can cut through the narrative and speak the truth? Literally, get up, pick up your palette and walk. And the source of that's going to be us anchoring truly in God, not just the word, but in God, in the living God. Because once we seek to see the world the way he does, none of this other stuff stands up. So in my story of today, when I'm burdened by the words, I'm, I would say trapped by the words of workshop, it took me releasing that to see another picture for a building and to transform it from the inside out. That means how we're seeing people from the outside Versus how we see people in their heart. It means 
the things that they say versus the things that they do. And it means that the world that we're in right now, which is a complete psy war, is being puppeteered by a few people, and they know it, and it has to stop. And the only way it will, it will stop and we will get off this merry-go-round is if we put our eyes and our ears in alignment with our Father and we walk there without any wavering, diligently, dutifully, and obediently. And now the world completely transforms. That's basically it. And it takes us through a simple three-step process. Three words, which God gave me. Three words, which, to quote Brad, Pastor Brad Cummings, you're a brilliant guy, Scott, but you're not so brilliant that you came up with three words that sum up the Bible completely. And that, as he said, is how I know that God spoke to your heart. And what are those three words? Rescue heal, and restore. That's a process for each and every one of us every day because we're caught in this nonsense of this maze and we keep getting trapped, which means we have to be rescued. And then we have to get ourselves healed by seeing clearly. And then we have to get ourselves restored by getting up, picking up our palate, and walking. And when we put those things together like that, oh my gosh, that's literally when the cloud of witnesses and, and heaven itself looks down and says, we have finally seen the arrival of the sons of the Most High. Patriots, let's pray. Father, thank you for this evening. And we're very humbled and blessed as we come here with our free will. And we just sitting here tonight in this process of thinking through the constructs of the world that are placed upon us and the willingness of, of us to accept a layer of, of seeing and understanding the world, which is of men rather than of you. So, Father, my prayer tonight is a prayer of freeing the mind. And it's a prayer for everyone that's hearing to literally have a moment of silence to quiet the mind, to sit quietly without anything else, without any distractions, without any busy thoughts in their head, and to seek your face and hear your voice. To sit in a peaceful place, to push the agitation, the frustrations, the anxieties, the concerns, the worries, the the thinking of the shopping list, the thinking of what you have to do to go running around town, who you're going to go visit, the tea, the tea you're going to have with girlfriends, the workout session you're going to have with the guys, whatever that is. To simply sit within a space and push it all away and to seek your face and to hear your voice and let you flow through us to see the world as you see it rather than the world as we're told to see it by the institutions of men. Father, I declare these things in Christ Jesus' name. I declare this as a gift that I'm asking heaven to deliver, a blessing in the authorities given to us. I'm asking for a blessing, Father, truly a blessing to be flooded down on everyone that's listening. And in the next 
48 hours, Father, to have an overwhelming experience by each and every person that hears this, that there will be a moment of total clarity of mind, a complete pushing out of the corruptive and the corruptive things that keep keeping us from getting healed, the excuses of I'm ill for 38 years, and the stories that go along with this of why we are staying there, but rather to push it all away and to hear the clarity of the words as Jesus spoke to the old man. Get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. And to have that clarity of vision and sight of this world, to see the world with your eyes, to be so transformative in that moment, to really appreciate truly the freedom and the expanse and the beauty of how you see this world, to give us each greater strength, to give us each greater clarity, and to give us each more breath of what we see before us and how we are to operate and live in this world. And so, Father, that is my blessing that I'm asking for to be passed to everyone. And I say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So take some time, just sit quiet. It's a wonderful place. Have a conversation with Father, but then just shut it all down. Let him speak to you. Listen, don't just push, receive. And just seek his face. It's pretty incredible. And as we do, amazing things happen. Who knows? Maybe you'll put a butchery in your garage or something. Never know. Keep your mind open. Hey, patriots, have a blessed night. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest Get back in.